You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. What a great song uh, by Matt Lingo and the worship team. That's an original by Matt. Uh, it's a song that has become a regular in my uh, Christmas playlist. And it is just a beautiful thing. I love uh, that Sun Grove writes music and our artists write music. And that we get to really lift up the Lord and uh, encourage and worship him together with that. So thank you, Matt. For the past few months, I have joked that our Christmas series might need to be called, I'll Be Home for Christmas. That famous Christmas song that is so familiar, but with pandemic, it takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? That famous song was written from the perspective of a soldier in World War II wanting to get home by Christmas, but having to settle for just thinking about Christmas and being at home in his dreams. Now, I've taken some liberties with the familiar lyrics for those of us living under pandemic restrictions, certainly in the state of Northern California and also around the world. And that song could now say something like this. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plant a mask on me. Please have soap and no mistletoe and a bidet instead of TP. Christmas Eve will find me where the takeout light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas because of COVID-19. That's what our life has kind of turned into and we're at home, but we're able to gather together all here online. And so you're not alone. We're able to be together. We're able to lift up the Lord Jesus and we're able to look at his word. And my prayer is that today, this sermon would encourage you right where you're at. At the time that Jesus was born, they were not encouraging times. At that time, Judea and Israel were under occupation by Rome. And Bethlehem is just a little town. In all the area, it's this little tiny town, a place where shepherds would have their sheep, a a rural community. It's not Jerusalem. It's not the major cities. It's Bethlehem, this little town. And it was small. It was the hometown of Joseph, who we know to be the half-father of Jesus, But right now, he's even left his small town backgrounds. He's up north. He's in Nazareth. But because of the census, he's had to return back to his hometown of Bethlehem. It's amazing to me that God's promises often come through the most unlikely places, people, or circumstances. Bethlehem is the hometown of King David. You remember King David was of all these brothers, was the least likely to ever be selected for anything great, let alone becoming king. And in fact, at the time, he was called to the role of being a shepherd. He was David, the shepherd boy, but he would become King David. Not because he was perfect, not because he was great, he would, not because he was perfect, but rather because he was promised. God promised to bring a king and brought King David. However, later, God has promised to you and me a savior. One to not just rescue a nation for an era or for a term, but one who would rescue a nation and the world and the people in the world through the gift of his son, Jesus, forever. A king of kings, a lord of lords. This savior is gonna be born of all places in this little town, 
of Bethlehem. This savior is perfect. He's going to fulfill God's promise to bring blessing to all nations, to all people for all time, salvation from our sins for those who would put their faith and trust in Jesus. So Christmas for Christians especially becomes a time of joy, a time of happy hearts and laughing voices and stirring music. We don't rejoice just because gifts or because of food. Now those are great things, but that's not why we rejoice. We rejoice on a deeper level. Ultimately, we remember the angelic announcement made to shepherds as they kept watch over their flocks by night. In Luke chapter two, verse 10, it says, to the angels, to the shepherd, they say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Great joy. That's the meaning of Christmas, that God would become flesh to offer salvation to those who are captive to their sin. What a great out, what a great offer, something we could not do for ourselves, God has done for us. And it's beautiful, and as every year we remember that beautiful gift, of God to become flesh in the Christ child, to live a life experiencing the limitations we have, and yet to go on and sacrifice himself for our sins, it brings joy, not always the greatest happiness, but it brings joy to us because there's a way out, because God would even consider us. The problem is sometimes our mood turns, doesn't it? What should you and I do when you don't feel joy, when your mood is foul or down or streaky at best? What about when circumstances come along and they just steal your joy? You had joy, but they're gone. It might be pandemic or restriction or fears or maybe it's your health, maybe it's tragedy. It could even be evil in our world. When your impossible situation just seems to overshadow everything else, it just saps your joy. How do you and I find joy when you just can't seem to get into the Christmas spirit? Well, I want you to know that you, if you feel that way right now, might not be alone. There were those who were having trouble with joy, even within the story of Christmas, the real life events at the time of the birth of Christ. There were people who were struggling with very difficult things, people who were struggling as humans do, and they were struggling in ways like you and I do. And so they would feel things, but we watch how the meaning of Christmas changes everything for these people. So we ask the question, well, what do I do when I feel displaced? If you're taking notes today, write that down. What do I do when I feel displaced? See, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says, for here, speaking of on earth, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. So those of us who are on earth, we say we'd love to have heaven on earth, but that's not where heaven happens. Heaven happens in heaven where there's this city of David, this new Jerusalem in heaven. And it is a beautiful, amazing place. And we look forward to that as we walk through this life. We're not gonna have an enduring city here. Nothing seems to last here. But in the Christmas story, we find that there was an unwanted move. It was an inconvenient time. Maybe you are having an unwanted move or you're in an inconvenient time or there's a change in family structure or there's certain family who cannot be with you at Christmas because of restrictions. Well, think of Joseph and his betrothed, engaged 
fiance, marry. All of a sudden they're an insta family. They have to, to travel from a new town, Nazareth, where they've put down their roots, where they want to establish their life. They now have to travel all the way south to Bethlehem. They're displaced. It's not where they want to be at that time of year, but because of a Roman edict, the census, they had to be inconvenienced and travel at a time when she was over nine months pregnant. Often for you and me, when transition or turmoil has happened, you and I can lose joy. Well, in Luke chapter two, beginning with verse one, it says this, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Well, they get down there to the hometown and there's no guest room. So they have to go to an alternate location, an alternate location to have a baby and not a sanitary location, but a place where you would in a house keep the animals. And they would go there and that's where they had the baby Jesus, but they are displaced. And understand that God in his great design could have done anything, but he chose a time of displacement that it was this moment that he would come to earth. It was this temporary, restrictive home in his plan. We can realize when we think of that's part of God's plan, then we think to ourselves, you know what, honestly, I'm not ever displaced in Christ. He determines the times and the places where you and I live. He's already worked there ahead of your arrival if you're looking for a new location or you have an upcoming move. If you're displaced from your living situation now and looking ahead at something else, God is there ahead of you. He is not surprised by your displacement and he knows what it is to be displaced. In fact, sometimes God does his greatest work in seasons of uncertainty in seasons of displacement. Well, Matt Lingo in his song, The City of David, writes, the night is shining, the world awaits, the coming of his saving grace, creator of all, reaching to the broken heart. See, when you and I are displaced, the meaning has the full capacity to transform your mood. When you're displaced, when you've lost joy, the meaning of Christmas, the actual meaning, God become flesh, the coming of his saving grace to humanity. Here the creator of all the universe is reaching to the broken heart and right now your heart might be broken. Well, the meaning of Christmas transforms your mood. Revisit that meaning, the meaning that in Jesus's arrival, God reached for you, to you, and he is reaching for you now to restore your heart and all that has been taken. Isn't it so interesting when you have kids that kids often reach up to their parents, like pick me up, they reach up to, to their parents. But here's the picture that God is coming from heaven down. He is stooping down 
to do what? To lift us up, to pick us up, to offer grace in the way that only he can. Acts 17, 26 says, from one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. When you feel displaced, remember that God has designed the times and the places where you live, but even in those moments, he designed where and what we experience so that we would seek him and reach out for him. And the beautiful thing is we find him, that he's not far from any of us. I had one of the people who watches church online mention to me this week, this person lives in a closed country, a Muslim country, and they mentioned to me this week, they said, we have a saying, and their saying is that God is closer than your jugular vein. And isn't that the way that God is? He's that close. Jesus become flesh. God become flesh. When you realize that that's the true meaning of Christmas, it can transform your temporary mood. That there is a savior reaching to you wherever you might be displaced. Well, what do you do when you're displaced? You're also gonna ask a question. What do you do when you feel defeated? When you feel defeated, when we look at the Christmas story, there were people who had nowhere to go. There were people who had hit the glass ceiling. There were people because of occupation, a foreign occupation of Israel. They were stuck. There were people because of their life position were stuck. There were people because of their gender who were stuck. There were people who because of their job were stuck. And one of the most stuck people you would find in the ancient world were the shepherds. This was a very lowly job. One of the worst jobs you could have. Doesn't pay good. There's no way out. You don't become an over shepherd of the shepherds. You're just a shepherd. It's, it's a dead end job. And it's, it might be the only one that's offered to you. So here's the shepherds. They have a routine. What's their routine? You wander around and make sure the sheep have enough to eat for a day and drink for a day. That's your routine. They were outcast. They weren't in the city. They were always out in the fields. They were always outside where the things that were happening were happening and they were outcast and they would feel defeated that this was their lot in life and there was nothing anybody could do about it. They were never exalted to any status except in the eyes of God. Those who would be considered outside the city, distant from God, stuck, unmotivated to even try to pursue anything good, they would think it's not fair. But isn't it amazing that God chooses to announce to them in that moment the coming, the greatest event in all of history, the coming of Christ is announced to those shepherds out in the fields. In Luke 2.10, the angel says to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the shepherds rejoice because of the gift of God. Unexpectedly that God would consider them and even announce to them, but more importantly, they wanna go see the gift of God. They wanna go find the gift of God. They feel defeated. But all of a sudden, the meaning of Christmas changes everything for them. 
If the angels literally had shown up to the shepherds that night and announced to you or to me or to the shepherds, hey, listen, a prophet is born like Amos or Isaiah in the Old Testament, you and I would say, big deal. We are not rejoicing today. If the angels announced that night, unto you is born a philosopher, we would not be rejoicing today. If Jesus had come to only tease the minds of scholars like Socrates or Plato or Aristotle, if he had come to simply discuss the great problems of life, Christmas would mean very little to us. I mean, who remembers the birthday of Aristotle? No one, no one does. But we know the birthday of Jesus and we know the significance of Christ having a birth, God become flesh, reaching to the broken hearts. Matt Lingo's song, City of David, which you could download on almost any platform, says, out in the hills, the shepherds quake, a thousand stars light the way, heaven's mystery, when love came down to set us free. What do we find when you're displaced? What do we find when you feel defeated? that the meaning of Christmas transforms your mood. We don't not only ask, what do I do when I feel displaced or what do I do when I feel defeated? What do you do when you feel just driven? There are a lot of people who are driven. A lot of people are driven to you know, have a huge drive in their job. A lot of people who are driven in ways to make the perfect holidays. A lot of people who are driven to provide and think that if I just provide gifts for my family, then I'm, I'm being a great parent or I'm, I'm just giving them what will set them up for success. I mean, we are driven by all sorts of factors. And interestingly, this year, the inconveniences of this year has caused the drivenness, especially of Western culture, have to reevaluate itself. What do you do when you're a driven person? And the example we see in the New Testament of a driven person at the time of the birth of Christ is not a healthy driven person. It's of King Herod. King Herod is the king of the Jews, but he is king under a foreign occupation by the Caesar, by Rome. And he has some authority, but his life and meaning doesn't have a whole lot. And he's become pretty narcissistic. He was a well-known narcissist. He only cared about himself. Nothing else mattered but was in it for him. He decided, I must be a success no matter what. And the scriptures tell us in Matthew chapter two, beginning with verse 16, it said, when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And what was said through the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Well, Herod felt threatened. It was the perceived threat. I'm the king. How dare there be another one born to eventually someday be king? In a narcissist's mind, life begins and ends with their life. There's no someone else after life. It's just narcissism. It's just my way and my life and everything revolves around me. And Herod was such an incredible narcissist 
that he had a palace built in a location that from that palace location, you can look across the valley and you can see Bethlehem. If you go with us to Israel in 2022, Lord willing on that trip, you will be able to stand in the ruins of the palace that Herod had built in this valley and you're looking up and you can see the little hills in the town of Bethlehem. But Herod was such a narcissist that he told his architect, I want you to build a palace right here on a mountain. And the architect looked at him and said, Herod, there's no mountain right here. This is the bottom of the valley. And Herod said, I know. I want you to build me a mountain and then build a palace on the top of it. That's the kind of narcissism that he had. So picture this. Herod can be in his palace from his palace views, he can look across to see the little town of Bethlehem and he realizes that God has led the Magi there. And at that point in time, he looks at the timeline and because he perceives that there's a threat, he goes ahead and resorts to murder. See, some of you feel driven to make Christmas happen. Maybe it's like trying to get the right gift and maybe it's, it's that you want to be the perfect host. Maybe for some of you, you're just saying, I want, I want Christmas to be the perfect events because it's all about people and it's all about family. And if people don't have a good time, then I'm a failure. You're driven to whatever it is, however you can. You want to run over people and things at times if you're really driven to make Christmas happen instead of Christmas happening for you. See, sometimes you and I can be willing to destroy any threat that gets in the way from a perfect Christmas. We could run over others in the process. Why? Because of drivenness. Well, when a baby born as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords becomes in Herod's mind a perceived threat to him, he resorts to killing. He resorts to murder. See, when you and I get the meaning of Christmas confused, you begin to see every perceived threat as a threat to you. And you become furious. That's what Herod did. He became furious when he realized that he was outwitted by the Magi, that they told him kind of the dates and times, but they did not come back to introduce him to this baby. They went home another way. And because they didn't do what he said and what he wanted, he became furious. And sometimes at Christmas, that's how you and I respond. You and I respond to maybe what God wants to do in your heart, what God wants to do in your life, even with restrictions, even with a time when it doesn't look exactly how you might have liked it to. But what do you do when you're displaced? What do you do when you feel driven? What do you do when you feel defeated? You got to turn back to the real meaning of Christmas because the meaning will transform your mood. See, if the angels had announced to us, unto you, is born a mighty king. We would not be rejoicing today. If Jesus had come to conquer like Joshua or to liberate the people from Roman rule like Moses, if God's plan was merely to set the people of Israel free from the Roman bondage, if he had come to rule in power and prosperity like Solomon, there would be no Christmas music being played across the world at this time of year. It just wouldn't be happening. I mean, who remembers the birthday of Solomon? This is the wisest man that ever lived. No one, no one remembers Solomon's birthday. But when you and I feel driven, 
reach and rejoice in the achievements of a savior who gave his life for you, who accomplished for you what all your drivenness could not accomplish for yourself to bring eternal life to all that you care about. Well, what do you do when your joy is gone? What do you do when you feel doubtful? Well, as we like to say around here, when in doubt, it's not how, but who, right? When in doubt, we focus on who, not how. How's it all gonna happen? How's it all gonna come together? Mary and Joseph wondering, how are we gonna get through this? We're displaced. How are we gonna come against this attack from Herod? How are we gonna survive? They didn't focus on how. They focused on who, that this is Christ. This is God become flesh. And we focus on the God who became flesh, the God in heaven. Luke 137 says, for no word from God will ever fail. The phrase that's key there is from God. It's not that no word will never fail. We all the time see people give their word and it fails. We give our word and it fails. Words come from projections and they fail. But this is no word from God. It's who, not how. See, nothing is impossible with God. Uh, Look at Mary. Here's a teenager who is a virgin. She's never been married. She's never been intimate with a man. She becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus is the God man. Part Mary, human, all God. Joseph, think of him. He's trying to just marry somebody. And in doing so, he becomes the half father, if you will, of the Christ child. God become flesh. Look at Zechariah who receives this prophecy about, uh, about Jesus coming and about his own wife in her old age becoming pregnant. Even in crisis, you can rest in this promise. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Matt Lingo wrote in his song, the star is shining, hope awakes. Prophets foretold in the city of David, there's going to be a lion in the land, son of God and son of man. And he's referencing Jesus, that the Old Testament prophets foretold the coming of the Christ child. And of course, Jesus is a prophet. Of course, he's more than a philosopher. He's the, the word of truth. And he's a king, the greatest king, king of kings and lord of lords. And we needed that because we need a savior. See, the philosophers and kings and prophets of old, none of them could ever be your or my savior. Only Jesus. Christ came into the world to save us from the penalty and the power of our sins. John 3 verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, when you feel doubtful, we remember who is the meaning of Christmas, not how it's all gonna come together. Remembering the meaning of Christmas will help you find joy because the meaning transforms your mood. 
that in his great love for us, Jesus suffered as a representative of the entire human race so that you and I can be rescued from all spiritual forces of evil in the world. And one day Jesus will return. We wait for it now. Much as the Old Testament waited for the Messiah to show up to Israel, we wait for the return of that same Jesus to earth. He will come in the clouds as he promised and victory will be complete So we need to thank God for this amazing victory of Jesus over all forces of evil and all plans of evil in our world. We need to thank God that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. And we thank God that all the powers of evil have been defeated ultimately and one day will be utterly destroyed and all things restored, all things made right through Christ. Jesus knows what it's like to feel displaced those circumstances cause you and I to feel defeated or driven, even doubtful. However, God is inviting the displaced to a forever home, a forever family, heaven where all things are renewed and restored and made right and is led by a righteous God, a good God, a perfect leader. We experience forgiveness of our sins, freedom from the past, the ability to face the future, Salvation through Jesus Christ is God's free gift to you, but you must receive it. And the meaning of Christmas, the true meaning, is that Jesus came to offer salvation to you so that your sins could be washed away, so that you could be made a new creation on the inside, so that you could have adoption into his forever family and that you would have access right into heaven where you will spend eternity falling on your knees and singing praise to God and serving him however he would have us serve him in heaven where there is no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more evil. All the old order, the things that you and I know, they've passed away. See, that meaning transforms your mood. It more importantly transforms your life and it most importantly transforms your future. But it's a free gift offered to you and you and I must take it. And the way that we do that is to receive the gift that he's offering us, that he's offering salvation and you and I need to confess him as Lord. We need to say, God, I want to receive that gift that you're extending to me because he offers many, many people who never receive it. They never take the gift that's offered to them. And if that's you today, right where you are, Just pray a prayer like this after me to say, Jesus, today, I give you me and I want to receive your gift of eternal life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, to wash me, to make me as as clean as winter snow. Make me pure, God, in your sight. God, I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation because today, Jesus, I give you me. And if you prayed that prayer right now, you can rejoice. You can sing Gloria. You can give glory to God in heaven because the Savior has made a way for you to be rescued from your sins. You're washed away. You are forgiven. You don't have to fear death any longer. You can have joy. You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org.